welcome to our new bonus segment, Recess with Chris and Iggy. Uh, we'll have one of these up about every 10 episodes or so, little 10 to 20 minute, uh, some bonus content in addition to our regular episode. And for our first one that we have today, I will be interviewing Chris. Um, and how this will work is that I will give Chris 10 questions. Obviously, one question at a time, and this isn't like an open book essay thing because you can't listen to that. And Chris will have exactly 60 seconds to answer the question. He cannot spend any more than or less than 60 seconds answering the question until I will interject and stop him. Um, after he answers, I might, you know, pull pull at the strings a little bit more to get some, some more fun out of this. But otherwise... Uh, we're just going to get to know him on a bit more of an intimate level so you guys can really understand who he is uh, and why he's just so awful. But what if I don't know who I am? Well, then this is going to be a really bad segment to have. Or maybe it'll be the best segment because I'll learn something about myself. That's true. This could work as like a, as like a free therapy session. Um, this is a disclaimer. I am in no way uh, a therapist, nor do I have any of the qualifications for it. So all I'm hearing is that Iggy is my therapist now. Yep. Okay. Just... Uh, Chris, do you have any questions before we begin, or should we just dive right into it? That's not my job this week. That's your job. Okay, well, then we'll just dive right into it and start with the first question. Uh, Chris, where did you grow up? I grew up in Mason, Ohio. Just like you did. Spoilers. Um, to those who don't know, which would be most people, it's a suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio. And to those people who don't know where Cincinnati is, it's in Ohio. We're in like the the bottom left-hand side of the state. Almost near Kentucky. We're like two degrees away from being Kentucky. Not quite, but uh, it's not great. Um. Yeah, I was born in Cincinnati, actually, but technically there are people that would not consider me a Cincinnatian, um, but it doesn't matter because this place is kind of bad. Um, so yeah, I grew up for the most part in Mason, um, a lovely community that was once abundant farmland. Uh, my house was once a cornfield, now it's a house. Okay, and that was a minute. That went by a lot faster than I thought. You were really grasping at straws once you hit like the 25 second mark, weren't you? Oh, that was just my intro. I was going to go way deep, deeper into it. Oh, really? About about where exactly geographically we were located? Maybe, or just like start describing this place. There's not really much to say about it, though. Yeah, I think I kind of hit all the major points. Uh, okay, question two. What is your favorite scent slash smell and why? Ooh, that's a hard question because I don't know if you know this about me, but I am a connoisseur of scent, a big fan of nice scents. Um, well, I'll start out by listing some of my favorite scents. Um, so I just bought a really nice candle um, with my tax return, and that smells like um, roses and black currants. It's a really nice scent, uh, very clean. And I just I just love that. Um, let's see. Some of my other favorite scents. I have a lovely cologne that has a bergamot, which is a type of citrus fruit. It's got iris, which is a little like makeup-y, but like it's kind of nice. I kind of like it. Uh, it's kind of a basic scent. I have a I do have something a bit more like 
my my I only have two fragrances in my collection thus far. Uh, the other one that I have, and we won't be able to find out what those fragrances are because it has been a minute. I liked how you said you are like a connoisseur of fine smells, as if people out there enjoy bad smells. Some people do. Mm, I mean, I like the smell of gasoline, but I know a lot of people do. I wouldn't say gasoline is a bad smell. It's just it's a very strong smell. I wonder what it is about gasoline that makes us enjoy it so like the scent of it so much. I think there's like a like a subconscious attraction to the scent. Like I wouldn't want to drink it, but I do like smelling it. I don't know. All right. Uh, Question three. As a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Mm. So this is actually a fun story because it is deviated wildly from that first point so i think my so like obviously like most kids i was like i want to be like a garbage truck driver when i was like three or like a policeman now my first like legitimate like career interest and this is going to be like super nerdy um i wanted to be an astrophysicist um now obviously i'm not doing that because i can't do math um, but I think part of me wanted to be a scientist because, you know, I was really into, a, into space when I was a kid, you know, uh, I was a space kid for sure. Uh, and my parents are both scientists. So I was like, well, I guess that's what I'm going to do. Um, and then I realized, you know what, maybe that's not what I want to do. So then there was a period of time where I thought I was going to be a professional. I musician. guess we'll never know what that period of time was really about. Okay. But really, astrophysicist? Mm-hmm. How old were you, like five? No, I was, um, I was maybe like eight, eight or nine. I, I just really imagine you as like a Raymond Holt type child where you were very like serious about everything. You're like, mother, father, I wish to be an astrophysicist when I become an adult. No, I don't think it was quite like that. I think I was like really nerdy and into books. Yeah, but I mean, geez, astrophysicist at like eight. I wanted to be like a chef or a firefighter at that point and then illustrator. Like I wanted to do like, I wanted to be like a garbage truck driver or something. I know, but I think most people at eight or nine wanted to still be those things. That's true. Okay, question four. Wait, can you hear my cat? No, I don't think I just heard Maggie. I'm going to let her in. She's screaming right now. Oh, okay. Hi, Maggie. She did the cat thing where she was screaming outside the door. And then you opened it and she just stayed out there. Yeah, and she screamed some more for a good measure. That sounds about right. Yeah. All right, are you ready for are you ready for question four? Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a doozy. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is a runaway trolley barreling down the railway tracks. Ahead on the tracks, there are five people tied up and unable to move. The trolley is headed straight for them. You are standing some distance off in the train yard next to a lever. If you pull this lever, the trolley will switch to a different set of tracks. However, you notice that there is one person tied to the side track. You have two options. One, do nothing and allow the trolley to kill the five people on the main track. Or two, pull the lever, diverting the trolley onto the side track where it will kill one person. Which is the more ethical option? Uh, definitely to kill one person. I don't know how I'm going to stretch this out to a minute, but I'll explain my thinking. I just, I think absolutely if we look at this, like it's better to just kill one person than five, you know? I don't think that's a very controversial thing to say if their deaths are unavoidable. Um, but like, I could understand the position where you're like, 
well, maybe we should kill five people, you know, because like there are a lot of people on Earth. I wouldn't say we're at risk of overpopulation, but like there's a lot of people like we could do with a few less, I think. So the argument would go. So you have the chance to get rid of five of them as opposed to one. Well, then, you know, I could see getting rid of, you know, pull, not pulling the the lever and just letting letting the trolley go over five people. But um, I think if I was in that situation, okay, realistically, gonna, we're going to we're going to we're going to stop there. So wait, you think you think the logic is that you either kill one person or kill five and you should maybe kill five because there's too many people and not the fact that by turning the lever, you are actively choosing to kill the one other person. Well, I because took... that's the actual that's the actual question, <laughs> not should you kill more or less people? Well, I think that lets people in on um, my thinking. OK, so, but I remember, the... I'm taking the position that I'm only killing one person. Hear me out, though. In a way, by choosing like choosing not to pull the lever is still a choice. It's still your fault if those people. Die. I mean, I, I guess it's it's a it's a question between action and inaction still. Inaction is is still I don't know, that's still a choice. Yeah, I believe so. But that's an argument to be had. But what if I change it? And the five people are strangers who are innocent, and the one person is someone you know and trust dearly. Depends on the person. It's it's uh, Kevin. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, I'm killing five people. Realistically. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'd probably do the same thing with one of my friends. At least you're honest. Okay. Question five. It only it only gets up in like extremity from here. Okay. What is your favorite dessert? That's a good question. It's going to be between two things, and I'm going to explain my rationale here. I'm going to kind of think it through and come to a decision. So my favorite, like if I had to choose any dessert right now, like if I could, only, I'm going to think of it like this. If I could only have one dessert from here to I, the day I die, what would I have? That's how I'm going to look at this. And that's going to come down to either cheesecake or carrot cake. I am a slut for carrot cake. It is one of my favorite things on earth. But a good cheesecake is like almost up there. Actually, now that I think about it, it's obviously carrot cake. Like I would do a lot of things for a slice of carrot, like a good slice of carrot cake, you know, with cream cheese frosting, uh, nice, like tall, like, you know, triple stacked uh, with frosting in between. Um, that just okay. I, that just gets I me disagree. going. I disagree. Disagree so much with everything you just said. We're just going to move on to the next question. Uh, question six: Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or thirty duck-sized horses? Hmm. Thirty duck-sized horses. Ducks are bastards, and I wouldn't want to fight a very large one. Um, just knowing, like, like if you know anything about ducks, um, they're nasty. They're like really bad animals. Anytime they procreate, it's almost always involves rape. Like, I'm kind of scared of a horse-sized duck. Like, it might just, it might not tr just try to kill me. It might also try to, like, penetrate me, and I'm scared of that. So I would rather fight 30 duck-sized horses, because, you know, if I had a relatively, like, long melee weapon or, like, a gun, I could totally take out 30 duck-sized horses. I mean, ducks aren't that big. And horses, like, think about the horse. The horse is such a, 
it, it's such a poorly made animal. You take out its legs, it's done. Like, that's why you have to put down horses that break their legs. So I don't even have to, like, aim particularly okay. well. You know, you okay. just put up a tripwire. Fair, fair enough. I, uh, I don't know what else to say about ducks besides I agree wholeheartedly that ducks are evil as are our waterfowl. It's uh, true. They're, they're all bastards. All of them, especially geese. Uh, question seven. Why do you want to be a lawyer? Hmm. Well, let's see. I mean, we'll start from the practical side of things. I have a music degree. So like in terms of like post-secondary education, like where do you go from there? If you don't want to do that anymore, here's a choice. But to to give you a better answer than that, it, it all comes down to I did a I did a business minor as well in my undergraduate and I took classes on um, like it, the, the focus was in entrepreneurship and then the music industry. And I got really interested in what lawyers did in those contexts. So working heavily in intellectual property and stuff like that. And I ended up talking to a lot of lawyers and I was like, you know what? I could see myself doing this. It, it sounds kind of vanilla, but like I kind of like the idea of working you know, a nine to five or, you know, whatever hours longer than that. I that don't. I hate it so much. Yeah, no, I just truly hate nine to five. It's just so monotonous for me. Some people like monotony. Fair I enough. I do not. I like to compartmentalize. Nothing against people who do. That's just that's not how my brain works. It likes to move around in different tasks. I could see that. But good, but good, good, good answer. Uh, but this one is objectively more important. Question eight. Fuck, Mary kill. Patrick Stewart, Danny DeVito, Dan Auerbach. Hmm. This is hard. I definitely can't kill Patrick Stewart. Well, hold on. Hear me out. Maybe I can because actually I don't know if he's the oldest. Danny DeVito is pretty old as well, but you can't kill Danny DeVito. Like that's, that's a hate crime. Okay. I'm going to, I don't really want to fuck him either. I'm going to fuck Dan. I'm going to marry Danny. I'm going to kill Patrick Stewart. I don't think I've hit a minute yet, so I'm just going to keep uh, talking out my butt for a while until we hit a minute. I'm going to start naming things on my desk. I've got a beer. I've got my phone. I'm not counting this as part of the answer. <laughs> Wait, so like, do I get it has like... To be a minute, it has to be a minute on the answer. <laughs> okay. You still got 20 <laughs> seconds to further explain in-depth choices. Okay, so here's what I think. Um, Patrick Stewart's had a good run. Um, I really don't care if I see him in anything else at this point. Sorry to Patrick Stewart fans. He's the one I feel most comfortable with getting rid of because I want to see more from Dan and I want to see more from Danny. Uh, okay, that's that's enough of an answer. Patrick Stewart is 79 and Danny DeVito is 75. I am justified. And Dan Auerbach is 87. There's no way. No, he's 41. That's actually older. No, that, that's about what I expect, yeah. Question nine. What is your favorite fiction book and why? Ooh, this is tough because I love reading. I don't do it as much as I used to, but love it. So we could go with like, what is my favorite? Well, I think a very influential book on me was um, East of Eden by um, Steinbeck. That's a really great book that I've carried a lot of lessons from in my own life. Um, 
I love I, I love pretty much everything about Steinbeck's writing. I think his descriptions of the American West are particularly compelling and always like very evocative. Like you can always imagine exactly where you are uh, when he talks about it, and he talks about it so like in such a detailed way that it's always interesting, even though he's spending like pages like talking like writing about it. Um, but I also think like it has a particularly like interesting message, like no one is kind of born into a specific, uh, like person as a specific person, you can always change and evolve throughout your life. And I think that's a really important, um, lesson for us and myself, especially like I haven't, like I get bogged down and like trying, I got, I used to get bogged down and like, this is what I'm going to be. This is who I am. This doesn't change. I need to hold on to this. But like in the past couple of years, uh, the past like two years, I've realized that I can change that. And like I've kind of come to the realization that I can be a lot of different things. And like I don't have to hold on to like one core concept of who I am. I can just like experiment a bit. Um, so, yeah, East okay, of Eden, great that book. Was, that, that actually went you on, on. That was almost two minutes. But I thought I thought we got a good point there at the end because uh, what you're what you're talking about i might pronounce this wrong uh is uh a loki of control uh singular is locus of control it basically it's the ability to differentiate the things you can and cannot have uh an effect over and once you recognize what you can't it makes it a lot easier to change what you can yeah um, well i mean the big thing about east of eden is like because you have two characters who represent adam and eve like and they represent like absolute good and absolute evil. And their children are faced with this idea that they're one or the other. And they come to the realization by the end of the book that no, like no one is absolutely good, absolutely evil. We all, you know. Are you telling me Jedi and Sith don't make sense? No, only Sith deal in absolutes. And they're the bad guys. Um, That seems like an absolute. Well... Star Wars is a bit reductionist. Yeah, that's fair. And we're getting we're getting too too instead of the non comical part and actually serious stuff, which is boring. No one wants to hear that. Ewees. So let's move on to question uh, ten. Yeah, the final one. Let's light, lighten can, it up a bit. Yeah. Can the workings of the second law of thermodynamics be reversed? Can you remind me what the second law is? Uh, that. <laughs> hold on. Let me reset this. Uh, basically, it says that energy will always move into an entropic state. Oh, it's, it's entropy. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the question? Oh, my God. <laughs> can the workings of the second law of therodynamics be reversed? Or can you reverse entropy? Well, no. That's why it's a law. It's one of the things... It's one of the immutable truths of the universe if it's a law you know you can't reverse that it would it's it's impossible i i don't know what else to say about this like a law is like in science a law is a law it's not like a theory it doesn't change it's one of like those absolute truths you know no i don't think you can reverse entropy speaking of entropy i've been interested in embracing the chaos in my own life and always trying to do something a little outside the box. So in a way, I think I am perpetuating entropy in my own life. 
um, you know, pushing, trying to push the boundaries. I feel like I'm in a box sometimes. And I think it's important to, to get outside the box to like, yeah, I was talking yes, about it a little bit in the good. other answer too. Yeah. I guess I was going, I was going more with trying to make you realize the inevitable heat death of the universe. Yeah. And, and just how nothing we do can ever truly matter. And we are insignificant, insignificant specks of dust on the coastline of, of the universe as it slowly fades away into nothingness as all light and heat fades away. I think people in general though, are just like really occupied with the idea that what they do is really important. And I've never felt that way. So like when people are like, Oh, we're so small and insignificant. I'm like, yeah, you finally just realizing this, like who, who cares? Just live your life, man. Have some fun. All right. Uh, well that was my interview with Chris. I hope you guys learn a bit about him and understand him more in depth and that you can further use this information as you attempt to steal his identity.